we want to welcome everyone to a baby radio episode four. 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 Such a great number. Beyonce likes the number four, just in case yeah. we wanted to know. It's crazy how it all works together. You know? <laughs> just, just to throw that out there. So many bars dropped. We've remixed the situation as far as how we deliver this podcast to you all. Uh, we are now live on Twitter and Facebook. We uh, previously were live via uh, one channel, but now we are live via Twitter and Facebook. So, hey, everybody on Twitter. What's up? Just click click on it. Let us know what you're doing. Let us know what you're feeling. Let us know you know what's on your mind. Uh, let us know what, you, what you're dealing with. Let us know you know what's making you laugh. Let us know how you feel about the Savage Remix. Um, to kick things off, Facebook, same to you, you know. I know it's a little more in-depth thought on Facebook. So if you follow Bevy on Facebook, chime in. We're glad to have you here. You ain't even produce yourself. I've, I've been jumping around. I'm just so happy. <laughs> we got it working. Got the do-rag on in public, even though it ain't really in public. You know what I'm saying? My mama taught me better. But I go by the name of Brian Kerr White. That's Brian like Kobe. Kirk like Franklin. White like the color. I am B. Ayat Solomon. That's what we incorporated this week. I like that. B. Ayat Solomon. That's love, man. So we're here, episode four, uh, bringing you a baby radio live introspective entertainment where we're here to talk about the topics that redefine your life, you know, from the outer to the inner. And once you tackle that inner, you'll be able to conquer your outer. Yes, sir. I got to put a tab on that one. Ooh. Yeah, man. Just dropping gems. I'm excited. Today's a great day. It is. It is. It's a. It's a great Wednesday. Um, it's raining in in, in the in South Carolina. It's what, what, raining in Atlanta right now. Yeah. So I, like I can hear the rain because it's hitting the windows. That's what I'm thinking. But it, it's great to be here. Just looking at. I think we're on week five of quarantine. Week six. We're actually week six, and some places are week seven, eight, and nine. I got a friend in DC this this week nine for them. Yeah. And I know New York just listening to like we're following New York people. They're they're still like, man, this is a whole nother life up there. We we got people, especially in South Carolina, I know in Georgia, mm -hmm. outside like it's normal, but in those hot spots, they're still like, no, stay in the house. And you know what? It's it's one of those situations. Um, I don't know if you read uh one of the frontline doctors in New York committed suicide. So I saw that. So. She was one of the main ones. And I have a cousin who's a gynecologist. So her pregnant moms have been contracting COVID and she's been having breakdowns. So I'm like, so it's mentally, we know those of us who are quarantined, we're going through it. But those of us, you know, the people fighting, they're going through it. Yep. But then you have the political economic side that's just like, bro, we can't lose no more money. We got to open up outside. It's a battle, man. It's a battle. Um... But you know, I stand, I stand highly on just knowing what matters. I guess I read like Lord of the Flies growing up. So you got to have like somebody in charge. Somebody has to maintain order. Mm -hmm. time, that's just wild because you have to know what really, like people matter. Like our lives matter. Like, you know, but again, I'm, I, we can't, I don't know if we want to go deep into it, but just the idea that the system that we live within has little to no regard. For what really matters. Yeah. And it's funny you say really, 
and I'm not, I'm not, I don't disagree. That's what really matters to me. But for someone else, what really matters is economic function. They are okay with sacrificial, um, they're okay with people being sacrificed mm. for the better good. You know what I'm saying? And that's even long history. You could go back to like Greek and European. They're fine with the few people dying for the betterment of everybody. So putting that perspective and putting people who think like that in leadership, now we got what we got now. But what does life look like if you put compassion at the forefront? Like what would society, the structures, the government, what would that look like if it's all about, you know, compassion, equality, self Bernie Sanders. But right. that's like that's that's where that whole issue comes from. You can't give everybody free education. You can't give everybody free rent. You can't give everybody because, you know, some people don't want that compassion on the forefront. They want status. They want um, yeah. social, you know, social um, grouping and stuff like that. That's the only way they feel like society can function. Yeah, I, I know growing up, my mama, she, she used to say like a utopia doesn't exist, but you can you can create your own utopia. Give you yeah. answers. So, yeah. It's the best we can do. Hmm. I mean, I think what we're doing here, especially with a baby, is trying to fix how we can put compassion in the forefront of our own lives. Mm-hmm. We can't put it in the forefront of governments and statewide and, you know, institutions. But as long as we're putting it on the forefront in our own lives, that's all we can do, really and truly. Yeah. And that's the vision of compassionate society. It's as simple as that. It's that simple. But at the same time, it's extreme. Yeah. It comes from my ideal that you know, it's not likely in the way in the way we live nowadays. And it's 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 crazy because I feel like it's a um, westernized idea because okay. if you think about um, tribes. I'm not saying that they're not modern, but like tribes in Africa or you know Native Americans, it's all about the idea of the better you know what's best mm-hmm. for the whole community and we come together. So when you turn it into a more westernized version of, we have to have someone in charge. And yeah. they have to have say so of our entire life. And they, t- you know what I'm saying? So when you enter that into the conversation, then you're like a tug of war between save my family, save everybody, save a few people. Hmm. Who do I pick as a superior tribe? So that's interesting. Just- and tribe, community, it takes a village, all of those aspects. Again, they're, they're a vital part to all of us being, you know, the best that we can be, reaching yeah. the fulfillment that we deserve. But again, you know, how can we insert those ideals into the generation, the society, the culture that exists now and that, that our youth are growing up in and they might be even idolizing totally other things? You yeah. Know? And a big thing is I feel like um, we've become numb to a lot of stuff. Hmm. So anything that doesn't affect us directly, like even when you see people justifying or fighting for a purpose, they're always like, oh, my mom went through best cancer. That's why we we don't care about stuff until it hits home. Yeah, that's when it becomes something that we're you know um, passionate about. So like just putting a compassionate society is not once it's hit home, it becomes a part of the issue. You know what I'm saying? Like when you peep shit, deal with it. Yeah, I like our vision. I like the goals. It always keeps me going. And celebrating ten years, we've been going ten years, standing on the same thing. So. Never have we encountered somebody and presented uh, the idea of being passionate, the idea of, you know, finding your ability to do things that then helps others, that not being the most fruitful and fulfilling feeling in the world. So I'm going to continue to stand on it. I'm glad you do the same. Outside of um, we know how a baby came about. 
But what keeps a baby moving? Like, we know that at the core, um, we talk about how we serve a lot, but like at the core, why? Like what happens to make you be like, you know what? We're not compassionate enough. I need y'all niggas to feel more. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I'm trying to think just to be the most specific. I mean, the story with my grandfather passed and it was once that was taken away, that pain at 19 years old being the worst pain I had ever felt. Mm-hmm. It was kind of just, that's that recurring question, like what really matters in life? And so I'm just digging and, and thinking, you know, what if I gain, the more I gain, that's not going to take away the feeling of losing. That's not going to take away the idea of not being able to to have something or um, not being able to, to be uh, a, a, a motivating one. My grandfather was motivating, mm-hmm. uh, giving, uh, inspirational, and again, a selfless factor in my life. So if I don't have those things, you know, what is life really worth? So just the idea of my life is worthless if I don't give anything outside of myself. So that being the basis of compassion, that was the source of all that a baby was built upon. It was how can we challenge the community? How can we challenge uh, peers? And how can we challenge specifically young adults when you're going through these trying and, and, and growing times as in your lives? Definitely challenging times also. How do we take these times and say, okay, it's more than about me. And so what I'm doing, I should focus it on others. And that's definitely where the compassion came from. Flipping that yeah. back. I feel like I feel like that's the basis and foundation of most um practiced religions or ways of life. Like I always say, um, like karma do onto others, you know, all these other things, like they're literally the foundation of everybody's life. So I feel like by highlighting that, making that the most important thing. Cause I feel like as humans, we tend to forget the little things. Mm-hmm. We just focus on the, you know, the big stuff and do that right. Like, make sure you go to church every Sunday, go to the mosque on Friday. But, like, we forget the way of life aspect of it. So, like, and then even with a baby, I know a lot of people would think about legacy, 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 which is awesome. And that's what you want to leave behind. But what's the substance of that legacy that you're leaving behind? Yeah. Like, what kind of people are you, you know, how are you helping people? How are you touching people? How are you making them better? Um, What do you have that you're offering the world? Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, we're battling a complete, complete selfish mindset, which a lot of times we're trained and, and and put in a position where we're seeing selfishness, that drive, that ambition. Um, we're looking at those things as a necessity in this world. And a lot of times, a lot of the structures that we place ourselves in, whether it be school, whether it be um, work, um, that idea of I have to make sure I'm good and I'm gonna have to make sure I'm the best and I have to make sure I can trump anybody who's my competition mm-hmm. that becomes what the world would deem a necessity. So that's, that's what we battle at the same time. And I think the biggest thing with that is like understanding that being selfish isn't the problem, nor is it bad. It's, it's like what you just said, being the best is not the problem. I want to be better than that's when it becomes a problem. Yeah. I want to be the best point blank period. You, you do that, be the best, whatever you want to be. But then when you like, but I want to shit on everybody else. Then that's when it becomes like you're no longer grinding for yourself at that point. Yeah, I like that take because that's something I had to deal with in my 20s. Just thinking, you know, I can't 
I can answer any call I can give, I can give, I can give. But at the same time, I have to take care of myself. I yeah. have to miss, you know, I have to, um, you know, do the things that are going to sustain my life. So then I can help others. So it is a, a good balance. I'm not even going to say a balance. Like you were saying, it's not a balance of selfishness and compassion. It's looking at selfishness and saying, what did you, like you just said, like. With compassion. Yeah. Like how am I being, I'm so, I'm so selfish that I understand what I care about. I understand that I have the ability to make this world a better place. I understand that I have a purpose on this earth and being selfish with that. Being it's selfish that, it's with that, um, it's that line that I feel like a lot of people don't dive into, kind of like that confident cocky. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that selfish and selflessness, like a lot of people think selflessness means I'm going to give the shirt off my back. No, right. you don't have to. Technically, like you need a shirt too. So now who's going to give you yours? Like, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, I'm going to give you my extra shirt. Right. <laughs> but Like that idea of you got to give your entire all. Or if you don't, you're selfish. Like just figuring out you could be selfish mm-hmm. with good intention. Now, if I'm being selfish so I can see everybody around me fall apart, ain't no compassion there. There's no fruit there to grow. But at the same time, you can't be selfless to the point. Like, I always laughed at that. I give the shirt off my back. But then I'm like, now you need a shirt. Who you going to ask for the shirt back? Like, where are you getting your shirt back from? (laughs) That that, that equates to being crazy or (laughs) being what someone would call stupid. Um, Even in the metaphor of love, when you got songs like, stupid in love or ideas like crazy in love you know those things take out the idea of selfishness and you're just giving yourself yeah to something else but you're not taking care of yourself so that then you're able to give your best to whatever that then is draining you i had um i want to say it might have been in the book by bill hooks but it was like it's okay if you give that much no, it's not okay, but like a lot of people think it's okay if I give everything mm. and if you give me everything back, now we're balanced. Mm. But what was the point of giving to be empty for someone else to pour? Like, why were you not enough? Like, why did you have to give your all? You know what I'm saying? So it's like, if I give my all and you give your all, we're in a healthy, balanced relationship. But now you filled with someone else instead of yourself. Right. Now your worth is based on what they're pouring into you, and his worth is based on. Why couldn't you keep your own without having to pour it all out? And that's when I was just like, see, balance, that was like that fair ain't equal. Mm-hmm. This balance don't mean it's right. Like, all of that. So balance, we looking at, whether we looking at the quarantine now, we looking at um, relationships, we looking at a baby. There has to be a balance. Yeah. There has to be a balance. And, and looking back at the the starting of a baby and even jumping forward a few years to 2011, 2012 I think when when I met you you provided like a certain balance in the structure of not just a baby but I can't even say my life I don't want to pump your head up but unknowingly unknowingly you provided a structure that was definitely needed because things were I guess they may might have been a little too left you know I mean you I feel like I mean, I don't say this, but you do balance me with the wise because I felt like that was constantly like questioning. It put my guard up like immediately. Like, why do you want to do that? Be like, why are you questioning me? Like, just because I want to, you know? So being asked that and understanding is not defensive. It's like to dig deeper. I feel like in return was also like, you can't just do that. Like, you know, questioning why you do certain things without explanation. Well, see, we got to go back to like tell that full story. So 
It's just the idea of how me and you cross paths. Give your take on it. How did me, Brian Kurt White, how did I meet Thea Yat Solomon? Well, you met Thea Yat Solomon because I, when I graduated high school, I attended Winthrop University, loved it. It was, um, for me, I think my college experience was a little different because in our culture, you're not allowed to leave home for college. It was like USC down the street. Like every Sudanese person I know, they all have the big university in their hometown. They stay at home and go to the university, like no matter what it is. And I didn't apply to USC. So I said I didn't get in. And I was like, well, Winthrop or I could stay home. <clears throat> so went to Winthrop, even though it's like 45 minutes up the street, it wasn't that big of a deal. But that experience was like, wow. It was, um, it's a, you know, predominantly white school, but the black community there was so tight. The um, events that were thrown were deep, in my opinion. Like, they were so, I don't know, like, they were just so full of substance. Like, <laughs> and we are a smaller campus, so it was easy to be packed. Organizations weren't competing. So, like, that's the experience I had. And then, you know, life happened. I had to transfer to USC, and I was like searching for that. Like, I was eager for that. I was thirsty for that conversation and um if you guys remember 20 2009 is when twitter popped off that's when you were texting tweets and then by 2012 there was a few apps you could download like so twitter was the only form of finding a black community at usc and 2012 i want to say that's when the trayvon martin shooting happened Mm. um and there was like campus discrimination with professors like that that was what was going on the semester I got to USC and there was a form and it was like being black at a university that's what it was called something along those lines I wish I had the flyer I woke up all my roommates I was like yeah this is it this is gonna be so good this is what I've been searching for USC is about to do they damn thing okay oh they about to do it I can't (laughs) wait to hear this conversation we get there, it was a whole panel. Um, it was like at the Russell House, packed. So it was just like, ooh, they about to go in, I love it. And then people at the time had Twitter conversations about this. So like I've seen the um, the capacity that they could, you know, it was just, my, my expectations were here. That's all I have to say. And long story short, we get there and it became apparent that it was more personal like people was raising their hand asking some guy on stage was I'm assuming was a Kappa why Kappa's cheat and I was like what why football players don't have to do none of their work yet they pass because yeah. little girls like it was just I felt like it was more personal like some people came to whatever it was they weren't there for the panel mm-hmm. we did not touch on racism we did not once talk about like what being black at a PWI downtown Columbia was like and I was just fed up. So you know me. I'm real petty. I talk a lot of shit. Got on Twitter. It was just, I went in. I was like, Winthrop would never. Like, <laughs> you know, them Eagles would have did this. Um, I want to say it was the very next day. You were at the Russell House um, talking about making a bevy a collegiate organization. And then I just, I remember walking up to you and I was just like, y'all got enough. Y'all don't talk about shit. Y'all ain't going to do shit. Like, what you starting a new one for? You don't see these six other ones? True story. <laughs> Why? Yeah, that's 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 how it happened. Yeah, and then at that point, 
the interaction starts and you know I, I as you said I was just more like well what you going to do about it you know I mean you're here you know are are you coming here to to look outward and say you know y'all owe me like y'all got to feed into me or are you here whether it be in a school standpoint a mm-hmm. community standpoint as far as black USC or in the world standpoint like what are you here to just let that happen are you just I gonna- just remember you being like you don't go to Winthrop no more like <laughs> You here now? Yeah. So that that's that's I'm looking at my senior year, and I'm well, again. You mentioned legacy earlier. I'm saying, you know, what what can a baby do? At at that time, we were just trying to to create events and 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 just dope stuff that people could think outside the box from then from then forward. It was, you know, we. I'm not gonna say I hated those type of forms that you had went to and that you got triggered by, but I also knew that there could be more. I knew that we could, that we deserve more. And I knew that we could experience better. And I feel like I didn't, I never, I, that was my first semester on that campus. I didn't know you, didn't know anything about who you were or how you carried yourself. Because like once I, you know, got involved with Day Bevy, even me and you were talking, I'd be like, people support Bryant because of what Bryant does and how Bryant makes people feel, how Bryant makes people think. I don't know Bryant. And if you want a bevy, people got to know that a bevy's doing that. Like th- this is what a bevy does. So like, just take peeling back that layer of being compassionate by yourself versus making an organization that's compassionate, making a school that's compassionate, making a a society, a country. You know, just expanding off of that. Like you being a good person on your own. I'm not saying it's not enough, but your reach is smaller. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's that's where I think our balance came into play, because initially I had a mindset of I'm always right. I still think I have that at times. I won't say I'm, I think I can say I'm played with it because it's I guess a lot of us are played with it because it's like my way or the highway, because mm-hmm. you know what you've learned, you know what you stand on, you know what you believe. But at times you're blessed with something or somebody in your life that's going to challenge you. Um, and crazily, sooner or later you're going to realize there's somebody who that challenge isn't coming from a, a place of malice or ill intention. Like just how they talk to you is just wanting things to be better. And, be- and that's a non-bias. Right. And, and I think that's the biggest thing that we don't like. We could take criticism from a stranger much better than a loved one. Yeah. Because yeah. I know at that point you're not hating, you're not coming at me. And I can't hit you back either and be like, well, last year you did this because I don't know. So yeah. I know, you know, I know it's coming off of exactly what I'm presenting. So at that point, it's like you have to be checked and we have to do a better job being able to check our friends and people we're close to. But I know in the beginning of our like relationship and just forming a bevy and growing it was really on. I don't know you. You don't know me. Mm-hmm. All I know is this conversation, and yeah. I don't like it. <laughs> yeah. From then, I would have never looked back at that point and said we'd be where we are now. Oh yeah, as, far as our relationship, whether it be from a baby standpoint or a personal standpoint, um, and you can't plan those type of relationships. And so, the the things you challenged me on when I was, you know, graduating in my ninth semester, and when I thought, you know, hey, y'all just run this organization. What I got, what I wrote down, this little 
you know, two to three pages. This is what it is. Yeah. How you do impress yourself. This is how you do a forum. And to to think I had it all figured out. And here comes the Yacht Solomon or back then, you know, the great Yaya telling me, you know, okay, maybe what you're saying is a little off. Have you ever questioned that? You know, big shot to Ashley Gilmore, big shot to Raven Joyner, uh, big sure. shot to the entire first exec board, Francine, uh, Kat, uh, Tam. I think that's everybody. I don't forget nobody. That is everybody. Those, those first three, actually, all of y'all had some pretty precise attitudes when it came to like not putting up with BS. You know, um, and I think honestly, and this is something I want to say to a lot of people. Um, in the beginning, I didn't know. I've grown within my voice and within my perspective, and I feel like I could I own it a lot more now. Um, I'm not as hesitant, so that was a blessing coming from working, you know, through a baby and with you, like not being like shit. But I feel like people need to own being able to challenge who they work with. As coworkers, you know, boss, whatever, because I feel like I see it way often whenever you don't see. I don't even want to be like mean or anything, but like you have a new idea. So you run with I go run and make a baby 2.0 yeah. instead of coming to you and saying this would make this better. And then we, you know, alter it. But I've seen too many people run with the duplicate of what they was already working with because they had an idea, which. Yeah. Just throw that idea in like you have a voice. And I feel like once we got to that point, it was easier for me to just be like, mm, I think we should change this. I think we should change that. Instead of just being like, I want to go and make my whole new organization take yeah. all your stuff and just make it my own. Yeah, when it, when it comes to collaboration, there's something that, that's definitely needed. And I think that's accountability. You got to have... Oh, yeah somebody to hold you accountable. Um, you got to have somebody um, who's going to check you on the things. Again, you always think that you're right about. And I, I look at our growth from the past 10 years, eight years, five years, the past month, even before we started this, how we're dealing with the quarantine. It comes from those genuine conversations of, of respectfully being yeah. able to say our, say our opinion, to say, I think differently from you. And I want, I want all of this to be better. It's a given. I, over our years, it's a given that we want each other to be better. Yeah. Like I said earlier, like or you said earlier, you can get to a point where some people are, or or seem like they have ill intention. But we're way past that point to the point where, okay, if you said it, if you took the time to tell me, if you took the time to to text me and and say anything about it, then I need to take heed to it. Yeah, I hope a lot of people have that relationship in their life, whether it be one person or multiple people. And I feel like it's not a situation where you have to. Um, I've seen too many people reach out to like the closest person to them. Like if I saw some flaw shit, I'd be like, dang, let me hit up such and such so they could talk to him. Yeah, he, he'll take it better from them. I feel like at that point you're creating this web of of, you know, just. I don't even know what it is, but it's just like this web of inconsistent and um, behavior that's not acceptable yeah. versus being able to check that person directly. And it's not even about checking them and saying you're you're wrong. You need to do better, et cetera, et cetera. But it's really like what's going on because this ain't like you. 
Yeah. And and falling, not even, I won't say falling in love, but falling in in connection with somebody and they're not being who they are, or you find out later that there's somebody different from who you deemed them to be initially. I think that's a major thing that that affects a lot of people's lives. Or even when it comes to love, when they say like, you know, you fell in love with somebody's potential. Mm-hmm. And sitting there and understanding who this person is, understanding how this person acts, um, taking it back and say, understanding this person's traumas and the things that, that they have a hard time dealing with and that they're going to react in certain ways. And so to go to the next level in any type of relationship, you got to be able to, to, to interject and check in a respectful way. We're going to have to make that our next um, episode because, ooh, the fact that people wait till they get to a certain level before they check people is an issue. Yeah, definitely. Like, why is that not in the getting to know you stage? Mm-hmm. Like, you be knee deep in love before you find out this person's lifehood traumas that will affect you eventually. So just being able to have that conversation. So, I mean, just being an A-bevy and from the very beginning, I feel like has taught me that challenging conversation is acceptable. Um, I was, we were talking with Lindsay the other day. She was like, oh, this makes me nervous. And I'm just like, no, it's fine. Like you have to own your decisions and they're fine. It's just, but you don't get a lot of time. And I feel like that's what I loved about being an A-baby in college because no classes prepare you for that. There's Mm -hmm. no class that prepares you for that part of life. Decision-making, standing in your truth or asking you your opinion. Like I, all through college, I'm in grad school now. This is, I feel like the first time where I feel like I write my opinion versus in college where I'd be like, hmm, what does the professor want to hear? Yeah. Like (laughs) what side of the spectrum does this person fall on? And let me just give them what they want to hear. We constantly in life have to do that. So when you get to a point where you're like, this is my truth, only three people going to like it, but I'm going to say it anyway. That's the level of accountability and you hold yourself in, to be honest. It starts with you first. And then again, over time, looking at the question, how do we get here? That's how we become the school of Mm -hmm. self-awareness from the first years, making a baby as cool as we know it to be. Um, it being attractive because of that cool aspect, us allowing a platform for young adults to answer those hard questions, to express their feelings, to express their traumas and finding commonalities in their peers that, oh, you've been through things and you've also been through things and we actually aren't perfect and we don't have to act perfect around each other. and We can help each other to the point of now we have um, various aspects where we can quote unquote, teach these things. Yeah. And it's a very valuable lesson. It's a very valuable class. And and now in 2020, a baby is the most valuable thing that I believe we have. And I'm, I'm appreciative that you're down here, you know, for the ride. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It's definitely, I remember um when we first started doing like introspective um moments and yeah. meetings with students, that was like, I remember someone tweeted, I have to find it. I got like, 4,000 screenshots, but they said um, a baby makes vulnerability cool. Mm. You see these people that walk around campus all day being tough, but then you get to have these very vulnerable meetings with them. And I was was like, that's, that's, I like that. Like making vulnerability acceptable. To the point where they talk about, you know, have you done your introspective? You know, (laughs) we're we're making that a net. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, like, even here cutting onions like these are pivotal moments 
and what we know baby to be and we're glad that we've hit those hit those strides definitely oh yeah i'm glad to be here i'm happy to be here yeah man when we build a school it's 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 lit it's lit we coming 10 years in you know we met 2012 2013 i give you my spiel after i met a yacht you know it built from there she graduated though I think she was she was definitely president at a baby at USC till she graduated and she graduated. She got the big head and was like, you know, I'm done with this. You know, my life is perfect. Got all this figured out. <laughs> right. So then she peeled off and was like, I'm like, cool. OK, who'll be president now? We started figuring that out. Big shout out to baby at USC. They took some slides after that. Um, but we kept going. We started new sectors at other institutions. Then we had our baby collegiate retreat. And she was in town. Being from Columbia, we had it at USC. Mm-hmm. Got through. We had a shirt for you know, because I was so proud of this, the first president who really put her foot down. And at that point, we had a relationship. It wasn't really like, you know, as much as we talk now. Yeah. But at that point, you know, it was still, you know, uh, back and forth. So she came in. And you got to correct me. Who asked who about being over a baby collegiate group as a whole. Did I, did I just run that by you? No. Again, we were sitting in the lobby area, and I said, you got multiple sectors now. Who does this? You can't be the one running around. Like, this chaotic. Da, 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 da. And again, mm-hmm. so what you going to do about it? Yeah. And you checked me in, and it was like, okay, well, let's try this out. You know, what does a, a program director look like at that time? Just us focusing on the, on our college members, you know, what does that look like? And and everything blossomed from there, man. Yeah. For I'm sure we're gonna have we're gonna make sure we put your name in lights as much as possible, you know, as soon as possible because you deserve it. So um, appreciate it. I really I mean it's 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 really the beginning. It don't even feel like it's been eight years of of this, like eight years of growing it. So I know a lot of people have seen a baby on the front, but like just seeing the growth of a bevy and of Bryant on the back end. Cause that's a whole nother topic. Yeah. Whole nother topic. And and now we're here. Um, yeah, oversees. I ain't gonna say she oversees anything. She's the balance. If I'm the why, she's the what, she's the when, she's the how, she's the, are you sure? And then it's another why that she asked right at the end of that. So I'm definitely glad that, that she's a part of this thing. And now we're here at Baby Radio. We're able to continue to get this knowledge, this curriculum, uh, this lifestyle, you know, this lifestyle into the community. And I mean, to be honest, like when I tell y'all life is so crazy, it's just so crazy. From that Russell House, both meetings was in the Russell House when I became a baby president and when I became um, program director. But the fact that we're both in education now, like that's not even that yeah. was never part of the plan. Like that was never part of the plan. I'm I went to school for international studies. I wanted to be in the UN, honey. I was mm-hmm. human rights advocate. Moved me to New York. Um, whatever it was, like that was my thing. And I'm we're both in education, and mm-hmm. it wasn't like we grew up like I want to be a teacher and help the kids. <laughs> yeah, I ran off to art school, and the art school ended up in Charlotte, where the arts were more prominent because I wanted to stay in the South. Then the arts led me to teaching the art uh, after school program. And in the after school program, I realized that my talent and being personable and connecting with the youth and, and all of that just stemmed with the base of education. 
And uh, you know, a young lady was like, BM, you're already basically a teacher. You're already a professor. You're already basically creating, you know, curriculum. And the rest is history. It's literally when you, when it became a part of life and not a side. It, it used to run parallel to it, but now it's like running together. So that was really crazy. So even our conversations, when we talk about the education system and, you know, a baby academy, I feel like it's a little different than those who've always been in education. Because mm-hmm. we had to step back and be like, mm, that's that doesn't look right. And then um, we've taken more business classes. We've taken, you know, it, it was, it's just a different experience. Yeah. So it's crazy. God brought us back full circle. We can definitely do part two when it comes to, um, you know, the second half of how we got here, those back and forth. So a baby has 20 programs, the baby has three programs. And so, you know, a baby definitely what we're going to roll out for the remainder of this year, um, what we're going to continue to roll out. I say like this year, but we're going to continue to grow and we're going to continue to offer, you know, those events, media opportunities uh, to our members and to the world to get an end, that initial base. Um, idea and mission of uh, envision of a compassionate society out into the world. So you finding your passion, you finding the path to to live on that that passion, and and then in that finding a purpose that's bigger than yourself, and realizing the world ain't all about me. It's not about what I can obtain, but it's about um, me being the best person I can be, so that then I can help others. For sure, and like that, finding yourself isn't a guide, a step by step toolkit. It's really just being exposed to these things that you didn't know about and not even just exterior exposed to parts of yourself that you didn't know about. And that's mm-hmm. how you just find yourself. Plain mm-hmm. and simple. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Episode four, man, how did we get here? Ooh. This was an episode for us uh, to be a little introspective for ourselves. Self-therapy. I think every episode is going to be therapy in some form or fashion. So um, me talking to you, I forgot we were streaming, man. I think <laughs> we're live on Twitter. We're live on Facebook. I checked my phone. I retweeted the live. So, yeah, I'm looking at myself. I'm like looking at myself. All right, that ain't going to work. looking at myself talking. Yeah, that's crazy. I'm really excited, though, because, um, like we said, this one was for us. But I'm really yeah. excited to have y'all jump in on, on the conversation because, ooh, these topics getting serious. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So the way things will be working out is um, we'll be posting a month schedule. So month by month. Uh, as of now, we'll be posting uh, four or more. But right now, we're definitely going to be aiming for at least four episodes per month. So you'll see the date in which we'll be going live. You'll all see the time. Um, if it's a special episode, you'll see an extended schedule. So it may be more than just us going back and forth as far as the main show. We'll add some things on the beginning and the end. Um, and then after that, you'll be able to stream these episodes via Spotify and Apple Podcast, so make sure you go there. And I think I got to say, right, like, subscribe button. Yeah, hit the subscribe button. <laughs> um, let us know how you feel. You know, hit us up on Twitter, hit us up on Instagram. And if you know us, hit us up personally. If we say something, you know, that makes you think or feel a certain way, let us know so we can continue the conversation outside of this. Yes, thank you guys. Yeah, just the beginning. We killed April. I'm just gonna put that out there. Oh yeah, so definitely we got to see what we doing for May. Them topics, yeah, we them topics gonna be crazy for May. Because we're going to let loose after this. Just whoosh. Now y'all know the idea. Y'all know who we are. Y'all know how we got started. But now we could dive in. Absolutely. So in wrapping up this episode, um, as always, we want to give you something in general. Um, yeah, you guys, it's it's not sitting next to me. but cool. I'm, I'm off the top. I'm, I'm shouting out um, our baby members. 
Um, big okay. shout out to baby members is currently finals week on uh, collegiate campuses. And so big shout out to them. Uh, for all our members, we were happy to introduce our members portal um, this year at the top of this semester. So as far as the arts, I want to shout out our members and, and invite you to the members portal for the Baby Sounds playlist. Check out that playlist. Um, those are definitely songs and moods and, and vibes that can get you through uh, these finals and get you through these times, get you through this quarantine, especially for our seniors, man, get you through this transition. Oh, yeah. It's, it's the real world. So needed. big shout out to, the, to that A Baby Sounds playlist uh, for all our members. Check that out. Uh, and hopefully uh, it'll help you in what you're going through right now. All right. The book I have hopefully shows up on the screen. Let me see. Oh, I did that. Yeah. It's called All About Love by Bell Hooks. And it's not about intimate love. It's about love within yourself how you can love yourself better, undoing all those traumas, and then being able to love anybody in your circle and understanding that. That book really gave me insight on parenting, which I don't think was part of the <laughs> the yeah. content of the book, but it's any type of love for sure. Love, man. All about love. I grew up thinking love was only, you know, oh, kissy, kissy, you know, intimacy. So it's dope to be grown now, man. 30 is dope. People I'm not going to lie to you. I had a panic attack two days ago because I said I am 90 days away from 29. 29 is scaring me more than 30. Oh, man. It is something because you're going to, you might, I mean, you're going to put some pressure on yourself like, okay, these things need to be happening. That's regular. So, I feel like 29 is my prerequisite year. That's why it's scaring me. Like 29 is like before 30, before 30, before 30. So 30 is like, oh, we here now. But you know. Yeah. I'm off that. I, I was stressed 29, and then I was like, okay, 30, I got to step it up. And then I turned 30 in February, and I blew the world stop. So I get to relax a little bit. <laughs> my hands. What I do for half of my 30th year or my 31st year, it ain't in my hands. So chilling. Listen, if it, the loudest message we got this year was to be still because it ain't in your hands. Loudest message. Yeah. So Thank y'all guys for tuning in. Absolutely. A baby episode four. The baby radio. We out of here. See y'all next week. Peace, love, safety, and sanitization. <laughs> All right, y'all. Bye.